about if you were looking for uh, a bride, there's a book in the Bible that will give you good instructions on what to look for uh, and what to avoid. Same thing for men. There's a lot of different uh, instructions contained within Scripture uh, if we take the time to go look and figure out how to apply it. Um, and so he was referring to that as being the general revealed will of God. Um, and so I uh, appreciated his thoughts and thinking about um, that. And I've, I've actually had this chapter, of Proverbs chapter 3, on my mind this week. Um, you may think it's uh, difficult to preach a whole sermon uh, on a whole chapter in Proverbs. There's just so much going on there. You could have a sermon on pretty much each line or couplet. Um, but what I'd like you to do this morning, and I understand that there's limitations on what you can retain from one sitting. And so what I'd like you to do is after hearing, go back and read it and think on it and chew on it. And so that can something you can be doing throughout the week. But this chapter, to me, feels like one, one conversation. Um, parents were charged with teaching our children um, and we are to teach them about the Lord, not only when we're in church, but when we're not, when we're at the dinner table, when we're in the car, <laughs> how we drive, everything about us is supposed to be teaching our children. And so this, this chapter feels like a conversation, and so I'd like to look at it as one, one conversation between a father and a son. Now, ultimately, Scripture is written by our Heavenly Father. And so in this sense, you're getting good instruction given to you by your Heavenly Father, and so there are things within this that we need to think about and uh, kind of a visual for you to hang on to. I know we talked about adorning the doctrine of God and the commandments of God a couple Sundays ago. I want you to think about this as uh, ten of God's pearls. All right? Think about your pearl necklace. There are ten pearls of wisdom in here um, that if you follow them, they are beneficial. Now, I will caveat this of saying that God is not obligated, I don't want to say this once, so I don't have to say it throughout the sermon, but God is not obligated to give you material wealth, physical perfect health, or any other natural blessings here. He's not obligated to. And so this is not a one-for-one -one transaction. If you don't do these ten things, if you do these ten things, you can't say, well, God, now you've got to give me X, Y, and Z. He's not obligated. Okay? But what these pearls of wisdom really point to is that if you follow them, you can avoid a whole lot of trouble. Because y'all, can we get into trouble? Pretty easy. Alright? And so, these are ten parameters, ten, ten standard operating procedures, whatever you want to think about it, as this is a road map that God gives you so that you can avoid some landmines. Right? Over in... Uh, Overseas, when they had those tanks or whatever, the people movers, they'd have a long stick out in front of it so that if something was going to blow up, it'd blow up the stick first, right? Well, what if they had a map? Wouldn't it be nice to know where all those mines were marked? What would you do? Hopefully, you'd read the map, then you'd heed the map, and you wouldn't blow up your leg right? or your tank or whatever you're driving. And so I want you to consider that as well. This is an, an opportunity to know in advance of things to engage in or not to engage in that are for your benefit. Okay? So, chapter 3, verse 1. 
My son, forget not my law, and let my commandment and and let thine heart keep my commandments. All right. So, this general introduction. I'm I'm going to tell you some things. Don't forget them. Don't lose them. If you've read something once, and then you can't remember it five minutes later, is that going to do you any good when you're faced with a decision where having that information would be very useful? No. Okay? Getting into our Scripture and learning is not about checking a box of, I read it. Right? It's the difference when you read something for once, and you're reading something for a test, and you have the test and you forget it, right? Versus learning something for yourself where you want to know and you want to retain it, right? So the, the admonition here is my son, you know, the father speaking here, forget not my law. He's about to tell you some things, so the charge to you is don't forget it. <laughs> Write it very much in your heart. Keep it in your heart, right? For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Now, if somebody ever tell you to do something and they don't tell you any good reason why, Sometimes it's harder to want to follow along, right? Well, he's telling you, there's some good things that occur. Length of days, long life, and peace shall they add to you, if you don't forget them and you heed them. Again, it's not that one-to-one promise where everything is going to be great and peachy if you do it, but you can certainly avoid blowing your leg off many, many times if you pass this way. Right? Length of days, long life, and peace shall they add to thee. All right? So that's the general start to this conversation. Well, what's the first pearl? Verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. It's an interesting expression. It's written in the negative, but what would be a, how would you flip that around and write it as positive, right? In everything that you do, you need to be truthful and you need to be merciful. Mercy and truth Forsaking thee—that means literally means to to abandon. You should not live your life where you are abandoning mercy and truth. Mercy, mercy is kindness. Mercy is compassion. Is it easy to get hard-hearted in this world? Yes. General rule for you to live by: asking yourself the question: Am I being merciful, or am I being hard-hearted? Your carnal self will lead to being hard-hearted. That's what your carnal self. So figuring out what is the, the spiritual side, what is what pleases God? Mercy. Mercy. Alright? Micah 6a, right? He has shown thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy. Love mercy. And to walk humbly with thy God, right? What does he require? Do justice, do what's right. Love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. So general rule. Mercy and truth. All right, so you've got kindness. What's the opposite of kindness? Well, cruelty. Right. Um, later in Proverbs, it would talk about in just a couple chapters over. Just grab there real quick. Eleven and seventeen says, "The merciful man doeth good to his own soul." Right. Sometimes we need to know what the benefit of doing something is. It says here, if you're merciful, it's actually benefiting you. But he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. There is a net positive to your life. When you show mercy, you may not always feel like that, but that's what Scripture says. Whereas when you're engaging in cruelty and hard-heartedness, it troubles your own self. You may think, well, I'm just 
not going to engage with that person. I'm just going to shut it out. I'm going to be hard-hearted about that. And it only affects them, right? No, this says it troubles yourself. Okay? You're doing good to your own soul. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. So, on the hand, you've got kindness, compassion, mercy. The other is truth. Alright? That is both in what you say. You know, we talk about filters sometimes. We put a filter on our face. Sometimes there are things that we want to say, but we should stop with ask that question. And what am I going to say? Is it going to be merciful or compassionate or kind? Speak ye kind one to another, right? And is it true? Do I know it to be true? Is it truthful? The whole truth and nothing but the truth? Right now, that, that being said, not everything that you think needs to come out of your face. Okay? Caveat that. But everything that does come out should be true. Okay? As a follower of Christ, you have no license to lie. You want some very, very strong language? Go to chapter 6 of Proverbs, verse 16 and 17. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. Abomination is a gross, vile, detestable thing. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that are swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Of those seven things, two involve lying about opening your mouth and saying something that is not true. If you want to have length of days and mercy and peace in your life, do not lie. If you want to follow God in the path of righteousness, do not lie. Now that's also, that's a, one thing is your words, right? Are your words true? The other is being trustworthy. Do your actions match up to your words? Right? What you say and what you do should match. You should be trustworthy. So, as a general rule of life, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Is this merciful? Is it true? Alright, and then it gives an illustration. It says, bind them about thy neck. What do I have about my neck? i got a tie. Right? Is there anything I'm going to do today where this is just going to leave? Right? Not unless I actually take it off deliberately. Right? That's the idea. Is tie it in a knot and let it go with you. Alright? Parents ever tell you you'd lose your head if it wasn't attached? Right? Yes. So it is so important that you hang on to that thing your head's attached to. You tie that mercy and truth to your neck. Alright? Now, what's operating between your neck? Right? Your neck is in between your head and your heart. Sometimes you can get hard-hearted and want to do things that are not merciful. Sometimes up in your head, you can say, well, it would really be better if I just told something that wasn't true so I could get out of trouble. Right? So whichever motivation you have, whether it's coming from your noggin or from your heart, both naturally are wicked. Okay? That's, that's our state. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Right? And your head is corrupt. Right? That's our natural state. No matter which one is motivating it, it should pass through that, that neck of mercy and truth. Okay? Don't forget it. Okay? Pearl number one, don't forsake mercy and truth. Okay? It could, that sentence doesn't stop there. Verse 4, it's after a colon, it says, So shalt thou find, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and men. 
here's a natural benefit of one who is merciful and truthful is that you will find favor or that the gracious gracious you know perception of both God and men and good understanding that could be that could be another uh, described as intelligent you could be considered intelligent one who is truthful one who does what they say they're going to do and tells the truth and is merciful it will have the perception people will find that is one who's intelligent or prudent okay this is a natural consequence of being an honest dependable and kind person how are you able to do all that only by the grace of God <laughs> right this is written to believers how I know because the very next pearl says trust in the Lord with all thy heart you, you, you can't direct that to an unbeliever people say well you, you know Bible's a good book and you know any secular person can take and get some nuggets out yeah there's some good nuggets you can get out of there even, even if you don't believe it but this is not written to the unbeliever. This is written to you, born-again child of God, who knows that God is real and knows what He's done for you. These are things that will please Him. And so, as we're getting into instructions of His revealed will, what do I do? Well, that first pearl, hang on to mercy and truth. Right? That's your general rule. The second one, trust in the Lord... <laughs> With all thy heart. That trust that means to hide for refuge. Now, we don't go hide for refuge, but if you lived out in the fields, right, back in the night days with the, uh, and the army's invading, where would you flee? Well, you'd go to the castle, right? Why? Because it got bigger walls. Your little hovel out in the, the field ain't going to stand up so well to an invading army, right? You'd go to the strongest spot you could, okay? What is the strongest thing you have? God! God! Right? And yet we forget that. <laughs> right? We forget that. Trust in Him with all your heart. Not just your head, but with all your heart. And lean not on thine own understanding. Sometimes we just take that. Through. Lean not on thine own understanding. Like it stands alone. This is in the middle of a sentence. Right? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. He's your refuge. He's your confidence. And lean not on my own understanding. Alright, that leaning not. Um, that means to support oneself. Right, I'm going to give you a visual. You don't have to turn here, but in 2 Kings chapter 18, the Assyrian king, Sennacherib, is surrounding Jerusalem. You remember that time when the angel sent out by night kills 185,000 people in one night? Right. Well, before that, he's sending his messengers in to taunt Hezekiah. And he's saying... And all those there, he said, "Don't trust Hezekiah. Don't trust him that you're going to survive this. You know who has been able to stand before the king." And he, then he makes the the argument that says, "Well, you're probably trusting on Egypt. You think Egypt is going to come save you, and and, and Egypt was going to fall to the Assyrian Empire too." But the point that he makes is he uses this illustration. He says, "Egypt is like a bruised reed. All right, reed is not a very strong stick." He says, "If you lean on Egypt." It is going to break and it is going to pierce your hand. Y'all ever had a stick poke you? Ever had a walking stick fail? Like if you're leaning on that and it just skewers through your hand, right? That's the idea that he's using with that taunt. That's what it's like when you lean on your own understanding. You are a bruised reed. You ain't strong. You're not even an original reed. You're one that's been damaged, all right? And you're going to lean on yourself and what's going to happen? You're going to pierce yourself because you're not trusting the one who is strong. All right. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not on thy own understanding. And this pearl continues. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. All right. 
These ideas are coupled together. Same pearl. Trusting the Lord, not leaning on your own understanding. In all thy ways, all your ways. That means every course that you take, every mode that you're in, every pattern of life, you should be looking to Him. Acknowledging Him means to observe Him, regard Him. Does this please Him? Is this what He wants? Is this what His real Word reveals? Over and over and over again. As opposed to when you get in your own head of, well, this is what I want to do, and so I'm going to do it, and come hell or hot water, I'm going to. And you know what happens? You get into trouble! Right? Instead of regarding Him. Right? You're going to acknowledge Him in all thy ways, and He shall direct thy paths. That word direct means to, to straighten. So if you're looking to Him, and you're trying to do what pleases Him, He'll make your way straight, and says thy path. That path means a well-trodden road. Seek you the old path. Seek that straight and narrow way. There's only one way that pleases Him. And so if you're seeking Him, He'll lead you to it. All right. Whereas if you're off seeking your own stuff, you're going to find yourself in the ditch and in the swamp and muddied up and gross and vile. Okay. Seek Him. Same concept, same pearl. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. All right. It's a warning. Right? In all your ways you acknowledge Him, but don't be wise in your own eyes. All right. So I, I went outside, I heard cats fighting or whatever, so I grabbed the BB gun, go outside, what's, what's going on? And they were, they were dispersed by the time I got there, but I'm just looking up at the stars. All right? They were bright, and we got a lot of city lights around here. Not as bright as over at y'all's, y'all's farm, but way more than I can see up in Atlanta. I was like, wow! I mean, just, I'm looking at the bottom of His face, right? And yet, the Lord is way bigger than all that. I get you. Y'all ever feel like you're kind of a big person in your own life? Ever get that illusion? <laughs> and then you go out and you look at creation, you're like, this was nothing for him to create. It was not a strain, right? That's who's in charge. That's who I serve. Be not wise in your own eyes. I can't make that. I can barely paint without messing up, right? And yet so often when I'm making decisions, who do I think has got the best idea? Me. How foolish. Who has more knowledge? Who has more skill? Who has more foresight? Who has more love? Who has more mercy? Who has more power? Is it you? It's God, right? In all scenarios, be not wise in our own eyes. That's, That's just recognizing reality. When we think we're the wisest person in the room, we're acting a little foolish. Right? Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord. Alright, here's a definition for fear. We talk about reverence, right? Reverence is another word we here's a word for definition for reverence. To regard with profound respect and affection. Mingled with awe and fear. To honor in your estimation or to hold in a very high regard. Okay? Do you reverence the Lord? Do you hold Him in that high of regard or, or, is, he, or is He kind of low? Right? If you hold someone in really high regard, you care very much what they think and what they want. Right? You have profound respect and affection mingled with both that awe and fear of recognizing the magnitude of that power and the right of that sovereign God. Okay? So that's one aspect of fear in the Lord. Scripture will get, kind of flesh that out a little bit. Go over to Proverbs 
Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is... Alright, so this is a biblical definition. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And then the sentence goes on. Pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth, froward meaning perverse or crooked, do I hate. Do you fear the Lord? If you do, you should hate evil. Not want to dabble in it. Not get as close as you can without somebody finding out. Fear the Lord. Hate evil. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. And depart from evil. Why do you think it says depart from evil right after that? Because if you're hating evil, you're going to depart from it. Right? Abandon it. Put it away. Okay? And then there's another benefit listed. Alright? These are good pearls, right? They're telling you not only what to do, but why. And benefits that are come with it. It shall be health to thy navel. The navel is described as being the strength of your your the center of your strength. Alright? Health is healing. And marrow to thy bones. That's refreshment to your bones. Your physical body will be better off by you heeding this. Alright? I'm going to make a general point about this. How many uh, gangsters live to be geriatrics? Not many, right? I was actually reading an article about some uh, retired Yakuza gangsters from over in Japan, and they're on this softball league now that they're out of business, and Japan government got really good about shutting them down. Anyway, but it's just something you don't think about, right? Because that lifestyle of choosing the evil way and choosing uh, wickedness tends to result in early death, right? And so that's kind of the general idea of if you can learn these pearls and you can apply them, you can avoid some of these pitfalls that will cause pain and suffering and sorrow when you fail to heed it. Okay? So that's pearl number two. Alright? Don't be wise in your own eyes, but rather trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Okay? Number three. We're down at verse nine, by the way. Proverbs 3.9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. Alright? You got two different subjects there. Honor the Lord with thy substance. Your substance is your wealth. The things that the Lord has given you, the whole asset pool, whatever, it says you should honor the Lord with that. And then also it says the first fruits of thine increase, that's the income. What is He blessing with you to come in? Both should be considered of what are you doing to put it into His service. Now, how that looks like in your life and the specifics of it, you go to the Lord. Y'all deal with that. But this is a pearl. It says honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits of all thy increase. Um, and it goes on, it says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. You will not become impoverished because you're honoring the Lord. He may not bless you to have a small fortune, as Tevia asked for in you know, Fiddler on the Roof, but you will not starve if you're putting him first. You won't. Um, go over to Proverbs 11 for just a second. Proverbs 11 and verse 24 says, There is that scattereth, so it's an individual. There's one that scattereth and yet increaseth. So it's one who is, is doling about and yet increaseth. And there is one that withholdeth more than is meat and it tendeth to poverty. 
withholding more than is right or fit. So you have the idea of one who is being uh, generous and one who is being miserly. Okay, One who is being withholding more than is fit or meat. That's, that idea is theirs. There's an idea of savings. That's okay. But it's more than is meat or fit. It tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat or plentiful. He that watereth shall be watered himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. And that's the idea, not of giving it away, but say in a time of famine, like what Joseph did, he had all this increase that was gathered in for the famine. He sold it to the people. Now imagine that if you were a private citizen and all your neighbors are starving, okay, and you just held it. I'm not saying you necessarily even had to give it away, but you were not even willing to sell. You had more than you needed, right? Is that the right attitude that we should have, right? Of being merciful and compassionate and, and, and even honoring the Lord. And so the idea there is that, no. And if you go look in Ecclesiastes 5, I won't turn there. The whole, Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 16, you can read that about talking about laboring for the wind, of gathering and accumulating riches. What's the point? Literally, you cannot take it with you. Y'all have heard the joke about there's no U-Hauls behind hearses, right? So, the accumulation just for accumulation's sake, it goes. There's there's a point where it goes too far. All right, Does that makes sense. All right, so let's go on. Pearl number what four? Pearl number four. Back in chapter three. That's why I can't see it. I'm on the wrong chapter. Chapter three. All right, down to verse 11. Pearl number 4. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Okay. Who enjoys chastening? Not me. But is it for your good? And why do you get chastened? Because your Father loves you and wants you to distinguish between right and wrong and then to follow that right path. So the admonition is, my son, despise not the Lord chasing. Alright, despise, that means to to spurn it, to cast it off, to loathe it. Well, Lord's just picking on me. He's just being mean to me. Things are hard. I know that I've made bad choices. And I know that I am bearing the consequences of that and yet I'm angry about it. Right? He's saying, don't. It's a, this is a matter of perspective. If the Lord is chastening you, you can be encouraged because that means He loves you. Okay? He doesn't chasten everybody. Okay? And that's something that's, that's hard to think about. But I was telling the boys, I mean, we've got little kids playing on the playground over there. I tell them, I have never gone on and gotten over to those kids. Right? Short answer is because they're not mine. <laughs> I don't love them. I mean, I don't dislike them, but they're not my responsibility to teach and correct. I don't love them in the same way that I love my my children. So when the Lord chastens you, we're not to despise it. We're not to spurn it. We're not to cast it off and to um, be weary of it. I mean, just 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 be uh, trying to sever ourselves from it. Right? Rather, it says you're blessed. I mean. That's, that's hard for you to wrap your head around, but it's true. Um, go back to Job for a minute. So that book right before Psalms, Job chapter 5. Right. He had some miserable comforters and they had some wrong applications, but that doesn't mean everything they said was wrong. Right? Some of that they had knowledge but not wisdom. 
They knew some things, but they didn't know how it applied. So in Job chapter 5 and in verse 17, it says, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. Now, the miserable comforter was saying, Job, things are so bad for you. You must have done something wrong, and so you should just be happy. (laughs) And he was wrong in that respect. But the truth is, is that if the Lord is blessing you, that word happy, it means blessed. The man is blessed whom the Lord is correcting. Despise not the chastening of the Lord. All right? You can take a comfort and assurance that the Lord loves me enough not to allow me to continue on this sorry path. Okay? For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. All right, now, into this concept of chastisement, I found kind of four different areas, and I won't go in depth on them, but one can be the context of a warning, another can be instruction, you're being taught, another can be restraint. And another can be active rebukes. So sometimes your chastisement can come in advance where you're warned by the Lord not to do something. And if you heed it, that's to your benefit. Sometimes it's teaching you in advance or after. Sometimes it's restraining by not allowing you to go through with something that you think you want to do. And sometimes you can get mad at God because He's not giving you what you think you want. And it's not best for you. And then sometimes it is... You know, an active uh, rebuke um, after we've gone through with it. Okay? So we're not to despise it. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. And then the illustration is, even as a father, the son, in whom he delighteth. Okay? It's not a sign that your father is displeased with you that he corrects you. This is like, and the simile is here, that even in nature, the son that you love the most, that's the one you're going to teach, you're going to care about, you're going to desire the best for him, and that's what's being demonstrated when he corrects us. All right? Pearl number four. So pearl number five, all right? There's going to be a long passage here that's going to be talking about the pearl of wisdom, all right? its value and various attributes of it. So we're going to kind of go through it quickly, but just think about this in terms of wisdom. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. And that that happy, that's an interjection. It means, oh, how happy. Oh, how blessed is the man that findeth wisdom. Findeth to acquire wisdom and getteth understanding. Getteth means secures. So not only do you find it, you hang on to it. Right? For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. Right? The merchandise word there means profit. The benefit and within your life of having wisdom is more profitable than the merchandise of silver. That merchandise, Strong translates to it to an emporium. So if you had a retail business trading in silver, the benefit from all that business that you got there would be inferior to the benefit to your life of finding and holding on to wisdom. And specifically, this is wisdom from above. There's a lot of earthly wisdom and carnal wisdom, and you can go read in James to see the distinction between the two, but one's going to lead to strife and envy and pride and arrogancy and vanity. We're not talking about that, right? We're talking about the wisdom from above, which is pure and peaceable, all the things that come from the Spirit of God, all right? And the Spirit that dwells within you, all right? The gain thereof, so better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof better than that of fine gold. She, she being referred to wisdom there, she is more precious than rubies. It's more valuable than rubies. Or by the round texture, that could be literally referred to as pearls. 
and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared with her. It says, okay, take all the things that you want in this world, right? It says that doesn't equal the value of wisdom. You can, if you can get that lesson within yourself, that wisdom has value and I should be seeking it and asking for it, because if any man lack wisdom, where do you go? You ask the Lord for it, and in all your ways, guess what? You're acknowledging Him and He's directing your paths, right? All this points back to Him. Every pearl goes back to Him, if you haven't found that. Yeah, there's the circle of it. Woo! Back to the Lord. Okay? Length of days is in her right hand. And in her left hand is riches and honor. So here wisdom is personified as a lady. It's like she is holding out the benefits. Right hand, she's got length of days for you. Your life will be longer. Your left hand will be riches and honor. And again, you think about that uh, geriatric gangster, right? The one who has wisdom will be avoiding those things that are going to cut your life short, right? Y'all ever have anybody say to you, I wouldn't do that if I were you? Generally when you're about to get on something dangerous or go up a ramp, like when you're a kid, or when you're an adult, you got something that's big and powerful that's going to go really fast. Right? And that older person says, I wouldn't do that if I was you. They're giving you hints of wisdom there, right? Or how about riches and honor, right? I wouldn't buy that if I was you. I don't know how you spell all the I's you, but it's Southern. But I wouldn't buy that if I were you. you know? Some of the ideas that we get into our head and we come rushing off with, right? they can lead to poverty or... You know, so the ideas of length of days, riches, and honor, it can be avoiding some of these mistakes. Honor, well, maybe you'll never have men's applause, but can you lose your honor down at a whorehouse? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let us have wisdom, the benefits of it, length of days, riches, and honor. Her ways are all pleasantness or agreeable, and in her paths are peace. Okay? You want to have turmoil, you want to have strife within your life, don't seek the Lord's wisdom. Do it your own way. Okay? She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every man that retained her. So again, you've got that idea of the finding and hanging on to. It's not just a one-time thing. All right? Tree of life. Um, you've got that idea of being fixed. Right? And then it's going to give you kind of zoom out and see the Lord's wisdom on display. The Lord, by wisdom, hath founded the earth. All right? So, creation, He makes the globe, He's got the soil, He's made it. It's by His wisdom, by His understanding, He's established the heavens. So you've got the ground, you've got the air. Why doesn't it all fall down on our heads? By His wisdom, right? By His knowledge, the depths are broken up. All right, the depths there are your, your abyss, your seas, all right? How are the seas divided into the various oceans and how come they don't just crash in with each other? By His wisdom. He's the one who keeps it from going any farther. Scripture says that explicitly. Alright? So you got the water beneath and you got the water above and by His wisdom the clouds drop down their dew. Okay? So my son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Who, who knows all this? God! Right? You can see it demonstrated in His creation. His wisdom. Is His wisdom better than your wisdom? By far. By far. And yet so often we choose not to seek it. Okay? That's a pearl. Alright? My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Alright. Um, when I was in college, I took a critical theory class. And the whole idea of this is you take particular mindsets... And then you read the same text through it. So one could be, you know, you've heard of critical race theory. This, that's 
where I was exposed to it in college, but it was, okay, you read this one text, and you read it with these parameters in mind. If you see this symbolism, then under critical race theory, it means this. Well, the same thing for these other different theories. And the, the funny thing is, is it's all a lot of garbage. It doesn't matter. You say, these are going to be my inputs. Okay, now I'm going to read with those inputs, and I get dramatically different outputs, right? You just make up the inputs, right? And, and this may be too general to even be useful. But the point I want to talk about is what lens do we see the world through? Through the lens of our, our carnal mind? Through the lens of people who say, this is what you should care about, or this is what the talking heads on TV say? Or do you look at it through the lens of God's wisdom and His mercy and what He's revealed to you? That's that sound discretion. So that's why it says, let them not depart from thine eyes. You want to see closer to truth and wisdom and discernment and discretion? Seek the Lord's wisdom and seek to apply that. Okay? Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Okay? So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. All right, you got the idea again that that ornament. You remember these? Can you imagine your ten pearls, your necklace of pearls you're wearing? Of having that wisdom is like having this necklace around you. It's a good thing. It's evident. All right, they should be life to thy soul, grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in the way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. If you have wisdom and you're able to see the stumbling blocks that are before you, and this is largely, guys, this is largely talking about. Controlling yourself. Will you have external things happen in your life that you can't control? Yes. But can you control your reactions? And can you have discernment of looking ahead and seeing what actions can I take that avoids me tripping and falling on my face and getting wallowing in sin and things again over and over and over again, right? Wisdom gives you that clarity of eyes. So it's like having, you know, gospel glasses on, all right? Verse 24, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, when thou lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Right? So this is that perspective. This is seeing ahead. You can understand. And in all this, you're going back to the Lord. Right? Why can you sleep restfully at night? Because the Lord's in charge. Which is the very next um, pearl there. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked. When it cometh, for the Lord shall be with thee, shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Alright? Do you have to be afraid when everything falls apart? You don't have to be. Okay? Often we are. But listen to the, the, the language in here. Um, be not afraid of sudden fear. So you've got this sudden alarm or panic, this distressing thing that's coming on, or this desolation, this, this just destruction that's coming from the wicked. When it cometh, doesn't say if it comes. <laughs> it's going to come. But what's your response then? Be not afraid. My son, I'm giving you advice. These things are going to come. Don't be afraid. Why? That's the important part. Why? For the Lord shall be thy confidence. All right. What are you trusting in? What are you secure in? If your confidence in this world is in your job, your wealth, your health, your spouse, your children, your family, anything that you say, well, if such and such was taken away from me, I just couldn't make it. That's what you're putting your confidence in. And guess what? They can all be taken away. You want a good example? Job! Right? He had all those things. He had his wealth. He had the ten kids. He, had, he, he was high esteemed. 
And he got so low and was so his health was so destroyed that the people he wouldn't trust to sit with his dogs to watch his sheep are now making fun of him. All right? That's as bad as it got. He became just the, 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 the town mockery from where he was the most mighty prince of the East. Okay? He lost it all. But who was his confidence still in? The Lord. Right? I mean, even his wife got real discouraged. He said, just, just curse God and die. Right? And he's going to spend quite a few of those chapters whining about it. But ultimately, he's going to be brought back to his confidence is in the Lord. Right? All those things that I talked about, they can be taken away. But guess who can't be taken away? The Lord, right? It's, it's a silly thing to say. And yet we get really stressed out when things that we think we depend upon are taken away. Okay? You don't have to be afraid. You know, world War III could start right now. What kind of world are my kids going to grow up in? Right? If I don't fix this political environment, my kids are going to have a terrible life. No, you're arrogant. That's the Lord's department. He's the one who's going to be protecting your kids, not you. Right? So can you lay down at night and rest? Yes. Y'all, this is a sin-cursed, fallen world, and it's been that way since the garden. Right? There's nothing new under the sun. Everything uh, that has been done will be done, and that which is being done is going to be done again. All right? It's broadcast. It's widely evident with media, and you can see it. And if you consume that all the time, it will discourage you. Right? Like Brother Don said, we should be thinking on these good things, upon the things that are real and enduring, which is lasting, which is your Lord, right? The Lord shall be thy confidence, and He shall keep thy foot from being taken. All right? All right, next pearl, number, number seven. Verse uh, 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thy hand to do it. Say not to thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give it when thou hast it by thee. Alright? So here's a general general rule on how to interact and be a godly man. If you have something that is owed to somebody else, you pay it. Okay? Whether that's honor or taxes or a debt or something you borrowed from somebody of giving it back. It's just this is a general rule. This is a pearl of wisdom. If you've got it and it's owed to them, don't hold it back till later. That doesn't please the Lord. Okay? And any excuse you give for dragging your feet, you know what you're tending towards? Lying, which the Lord hates. And then you haven't made it past that first question of, is this merciful and is this truthful? Okay? Include wages. If you pay, if you... Somebody works for you. And that's specifically mentioned back in Deuteronomy that if a day laborer, if you hire them and you've got those wages with you, you don't make him wait. Um, if you told him you're going to pay him then, you pay him then. It's about being trustworthy and honest. Right? These are the things that we do when we are pleasing the Lord. Alright, we won't go too far on that. Pearl 8. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Alright. Devising not evil. That means I'm not hatching plans for how to get back at so-and-so. Right? Somebody's done me wrong. And well, if I do this and this and this and this, then this could happen to him, and they'll never know it was me. Right? If you're sitting your time laying in bed doing that, you're not on base. Right? Right? Um, and by our carnal self, you may be thinking, but they really deserve it. No. The Lord says vengeance is his. He'll repay. Leave the matter with him. 
When it comes to our enemies, and here it doesn't even say an enemy, it just says a neighbor, right? That lawyer asked, who is my neighbor, right? Because he wanted a narrow pool of people he had to be merciful to. And Jesus gave him an answer that included everybody. Everybody. Right? Can you sum all these up in, in two sentences? Sure. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and body, and thy neighbor as thyself. On these two things are all the law and the prophets. That's what they hang on. That's the summary of it. Now, is it hard to apply summaries to us sometimes? Yeah. And that's why I'm going through the specifics, is that here are ten different areas that we can look at our life, examine our life this week. Am I doing this? Is this going to earn your way to heaven? No. You can't get there by your doings. But because of what Christ has done and what He's made you aware of, you can live a life that is more honoring to Him. How do I know what honors Him? I go look in His Word. And then I start trying to apply it. Okay? Got pearls of wisdom. And there's benefits, right? It's not just for anything. I mean, pleasing the Lord, that's great enough reason for and of itself. But the Lord also gives additional um, natural benefits from it. To not devise an evil against our neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Alright? So in that context, you know, it sounds like someone who's who's physically abiding nearby, someone in your community, you are not thinking or plotting hatches against uh, plans against somebody. And I'm pretty sure that was uh, one of those things the Lord hates. Go back in chapter 6 and in verse 18, the things that He hates. Within that is a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. You're coming up with evil plans to hurt somebody. What have you been instructed to do to your enemies? Pray for them. Do good to them, right? That those that despitefully use you, right? in doing so, you'll heap coals of fire upon their head. And that's probably not the benefit that you should be seeking. I have to have a heart check there. But you are. That's what your Lord's called you to. Is that a hard standard? By your carnal self? Yes. And when you do it, who gets really glorified? Him! Because you're doing something contrary to your sin nature. Right? And you're following uh, His leading and His teaching. Alright, next pearl. Strive not with any man without cause, if he have done thee no harm. Alright, general concept in striving is heavily deterred in the New Testament. The servant of God should not strive. So even when I am as a pastor and teacher, my job is not to fight with you, but it's to teach you the truth and set a good example. Alright? We're not called here to overcome the world by might or arms, right? Jesus you know, asked, does anybody have swords? Yeah, we got two. That's enough. It was just to fulfill the prophecy that he was going to be numbered among the malefactors, right? He was going to check that box, but he was not calling on us to fight the world, right? So don't feel like that's your task or your job. Rather, we're to live as much as is within us, peaceably with all men. So here it's saying, strive not with a man without cause, right? So... Y'all ever get upset with somebody and you really ain't got a good reason? You're having a bad day and they're in the way? Right? Don't do that. Right? Don't strive with a man without cause. And then particularly, if he done thee, no harm. Right? Y'all ever heard about uh, family feuds? Well, Joker's never hurt me, but he really insulted great-grandma 200 years ago and we're going to keep fighting about it. Right? That's not acceptable. That doesn't please the Lord. Right? I haven't done you any harm. There's no cause directly to you. Don't strive. And even if they have, here's your New Testament expansion, is that don't fight then either. <laughs> right? Even if they slap you in the face. Okay? It's really hard to fight with someone who doesn't want to fight. Do you notice that? 
it can be really infuriating to somebody who really wants to have a good fight and you won't engage. Right? You're more pleasing to the Lord when you don't. Okay? That's the restraint that we show um, that we're more interested in pleasing Him than validating whatever hurt feelings we have or our pride that's been bruised or whatever other silly justification we have for bowing up at somebody. Alright, All right, finally, last pearl. We've got ten minutes. Envy not thou the oppressor and choose none of his ways. All right, there's going to be the rest of this um, chapter is going to be talking about this, but the idea is that there are going to be opportunities in your life to look at so-and-so who you know is doing wrong Man, they got a lot of stuff. Or the job, or the life, or the whatever it is, but you know they're not doing right. The pearl is don't envy them. Okay. Whatever they have, one, it's not worth it. But two, the end result of that life is not good. It's not a benefit. It's not one that you want. For the froward, the crooked, is abomination to the Lord. But his secret is with the righteous. That word secret has the idea of a, a close assembly, a deliberation. You know, who are you who's who is the Lord fellowshipping with? The righteous, with his, with his people. Those that he's not chastising, who are living any old way and they just don't care. That's abomination. A gross vileness. Okay? The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked. Don't be jealous for what they have. There's a curse sitting on that house. Because the end result of that is death, destruction. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but He blesseth the habitation of the just. You say, well, I don't feel particularly blessed. My bank account doesn't say this. My car, you know, doesn't always run. And You, you, you understand, the, whatever your particular situation is, you always feel like, well, Lord, I could have a little bit more. I don't feel so blessed. That's a sorry perspective we have, right? If you sat down every morning and you listed out ten different blessings that you have, and you did that every day, if you were serious about it, you could go the whole year without repeating. That's the attitude that we should have for, for Thanksgiving because you are blessed. You're blessed, in, and particularly if, if you can come here and worship the Lord and get a spiritual blessing out of this, you have a blessing that that person cannot know. And can't understand. And if you tell them about it, they'll look at you like three heads. But, but what do you mean I want to get up early on Sunday morning and go be bored while somebody yammers on for an hour and I pretend to sing? Right? It makes no sense to them. But there are spiritual blessings you receive that are far greater magnitude than any of the carnal stuff in here. And ultimately, the inheritance that you have is can't even be compared. Okay, you've got a jet ski. That's great. What has the Lord prepared? A place for me and for you. So don't envy Him. Surely He scorneth the scorners, right? The scorners are those that are mocking Him. Mocking you for following Him. Mocking God. The end result is the Lord will scorn them. Right? It's, it's kind of scary when it talks about the Lord laughing at the wicked. Right? That gets into that fear and reverence and awe of the power that He has. And that's how badly... God is a holy God. Hates sin. And but for the work of Jesus Christ, that's exactly where we'd still be. Deserving of His scorn and wrath and hatred. Okay? That's the power that was put on display when the blood 
of Jesus Christ when He shed it on the cross that He took all that that we should have borne and carried it away. By it we are healed. Okay? That's the grace. He giveth grace unto the lowly. That's that you get grace every day. Uh, kind of sustaining grace through here, but there is an ultimate grace that you'll receive, that rest, that heavenly place with the Lord. That's what He's going to give to the, to the lowly, to the humble, to the contrite. Why are you humble? Because you can see your sins. Right? The one who's wicked, they have no ideas. They don't have eyes to see. They're just still slaves to it. But you can see, and that humbles you before your mighty God. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. All right? If you have that wisdom from above, only because God gave it to you, and the end result is that you'll be with Him in glory. That's your inheritance. That's what you're looking forward to. And it says, the promotion of fools, the advancement of fools. If you're going to get a promotion and you're a fool, the best thing that you'll reach is just shame. It will be true. It will be seen that all those who were chasing things of this world, right? just like in the time of Noah, right? what was the end result? Other than those that he chose and he spared, they were all wiped out in the judgment. And that's just like a micro example of what's going to come on the last day. And he's glorious and holy and righteous in that God is, in his sovereignty. Um, I know this is a lot of information. We could have just chose one and talked about it the whole time. But I wanted you to see the breadth of information contained just in this one conversation here in the third chapter of Proverbs. This is, and so, what advice do I give to young people? And people feel like, well, I've got to come up with advice. Here's advice! Here's good advice! If you're not taking it yourself, take it yourself and then give the advice. Right? Here's the advice. Here's the pearls of wisdom. Here's where you go. I mean, there are so many self-help books out. You know, here's, here's the top ten ways that you can improve whatever it is you want to improve about your life. And it's in a magazine. If you just pay $7, then you can buy it and you can rip through it. And you see, they don't know what they're talking about. Here it is. Will you find the answer to every particular problem that you're faced? No. But you'll find some really good parameters... And if you're looking to the Lord and trying to discern which of these decisions leads me closer to you, Lord, and which leads me away, then you can start to have a better understanding of how do you use that discernment in your day-to-day life. Right? Is this something you can grow and get better at? Yeah. Right? That whole growing in grace, that's the idea, is that we've got room to grow. Have you made it yet? Nope. Have I made it yet? Oh, no. Right? Am I on a pedestal where I can be seen a little bit more than you? Yeah, and that's scary. Okay? That means when I fall on my face, I fall farther too. Okay? And I need the Lord's grace to get back up and go again the next day. All right? So, pearls of wisdom, they're worth hanging on to. So I want you to think about this week. Think about what are you wearing around your neck? All right? Remember that Braves player a year or two ago? He had the big old pearls. Right? They won the series that year. So if that helps you remember thinking about the pearls around your neck, but not, don't think about sports. Think about... <laughs> Think about the Lord. All right. Thank you all for your time and attention.